Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. We're so glad you joined us because Pastor Jim is teaching in his series, Different to Make a Difference, because people need you to get closer to Jesus and Jesus needs you to get closer to people. And please, if you're ever in our area, we would love for you to be our special guest. So for service times and details, go to joychurch.net. We began this session last weekend, and we have so many brand new guests here today. We'll review just a little bit to get you tracking with us. Very excited about this series called Different to Make a Difference. And I absolutely love the subtitle, Discovering that People Need You to Get Closer to Jesus. And Jesus needs you to get closer to people. Have you noticed something about your pastor? I'm a little bit different. No, no reason to laugh there. I met two wonderful guests, uh, Chris and Natalie, and I, and I said, did anybody uh, warn you about the pastor? And they said no, and I said, well, I'm officially doing that now. Uh, I'm a little bit different, no question. God has made me a little bit different, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm different to make a difference. I remember uh, just a while back, I, I'm a big fisherman. Those of you that are new here uh, don't know that. I'm a big fisherman. That's one, my hobby and something I enjoy just to get away. It's just peaceful, and I, I just enjoy it. And I remember uh, I was on the other side. I was in South Carolina. I was on the other side of a lagoon that was right by a golf course, and I was fishing on that lagoon. And I was on the condo side of the lagoon and just having fun and, and just fishing away. And all of a sudden... A couple of guys uh, that really weren't supposed to be on the golf course. How many know, uh, it, it, all you golfers know, sometimes after hours or late, guys sneak on the course. You know, the golfers are going, uh-huh. And that was these guys. They snuck on the course, and they were just kind of there, and they were there illegally, and I knew that. And, 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 and they were heavily drunk. <laughs> and, and it was my family. And... Um, <laughs> You know, perfect stranger that I didn't know. And so I'm just fishing, just real quiet. It's real peaceful. And, and I'm right by them. And, and that, this one guy just over and over and over again. And this, I mean, just as loud as he could do it, just kept saying GD over and over and over. And again, you know, the Bible says don't rebuke a, a, a man in his folly lest you bring a blot to you. And so normally I don't do this, but it just got to me. I mean, he was just saying it over and over and over, just as loud and as bold. I mean, isn't it amazing how unbelievers are just bold? And yet Christians, you know, we're, we're just at, at the dinner table at a restaurant, you know, we pray headache prayers. You know, when, when, you know. 
We don't want anyone to know we're Christian. We're CIA, you know, undercover, you know. Father in Jesus' name, bless this food. Oh, come on. Don't be a freak or a weirdo, but don't be ashamed. Don't pray headache prayers. Just pray. Dear Lord, you, know, you pray at home. You, you know the hands that touch your food at home. You don't know who's touched your food at restaurants. So watch, you know, Christians are so ashamed of everything. This guy, man, he was just bold as can be about it. And it just got to me. It bothered me. I got to tell you, I'm sorry. just bothered me because he said how he was saying it over and over and with such velocity. And so I just said, I just I couldn't take it. So I said, hey, hey. And he looked at me and said, what? <laughs> I said, it's not what you're saying. You're getting it wrong. And he said, what? I said, you're getting this wrong. I said, God is not the dammer. The devil is. The word damn in the Greek language means condemnation. The Bible says, Romans 8, 1, now there is therefore no condemnation in Christ. God is not the dammer. The devil is the dammer. So I told him, I said, you got to understand something, man. It's not God. You've been saying this, and you've been false advertising. I said, that's what I told him. I said, it's the devil. He goes, well, then devil damn. What he said. And I told him, I said, now you got it straight. And I said, no, well, what I need you to do is that wherever you go, proclaim that. I just want him to advertise for the right dude. Because <laughs> you got the other one wrong. Just I'm just a little different. That's just me. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not ashamed of that. And I'm not suggesting that you do that. But God just gives me this gift where I can just talk to anybody. And so far, I had not gotten me in much trouble. <laughs> much, you know, some. You, know, you, you understand. Don't you be afraid of being different to make a difference for the Lord. Let's take a look at our key verse one more time. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I love this verse. One of my favorite in the Bible. While we're, you're looking it up, would you turn to your neighbor and say, devil damn. That was too realistic from some of you, huh? too realistic. Ephesians <laughs> chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I love that word workmanship. It is a Greek word poema. We get our word poem from it. And it literally means you are God's special creation. And I want you to know that. Christina is God's special creation. You are God's special creation. You are God's special poem. You are God's haiku. <laughs> and I want you to know it's not just so that you can say that, but you are different to make a difference for the Lord. Last time we began to talk to you about that, what that really means, we began to give you seven dynamics of being different. And first thing, we began to define, number one, what really is different. Because a lot of times if we don't get this, then if we don't really know what different means biblically, we'll rearrange that improperly. First thing that we began to discuss was, number one, different for different sake is simply a fancy word for rebellion. So we're not talking about that. We're not just talking about being some weirdo or being some kook or being some flake or just, you know, oh, I'm different. Well, good for you. 
How many know change? A lot of people value change. Change for the sake of change is really not change at all. Doesn't help anybody, but change for God's sake really does help. So this is not just simply being weird. It's being different for the Lord. Second thing that we talked about is in your difference really does lie your destiny. Third thing that we begin to share with you, number three, unity is not sounding the same, it's sounding together. That's the thing that I love about this church. We value your difference. We don't want a bunch of clones here. The thing that I love about this church is we're the most multicultural church in Wilson County by far. Can we give God thanks? In a county that's honestly 92% Caucasian, that's a small miracle. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And you know, and I know if we're honest about it, most churches are all black or all white or, or all ugly. <laughs> but there's every category here. And boy, that third one is very prominent today. <laughs> you know who you are. Come on, you know. <laughs> That's the thing I love about it. The thing I love about Joy Church, we have all kinds of age categories represented. Most churches are either really young or really old. This church leans towards the young because the pastor's so young. I met a young lady back there here for the very first time, and, and I asked her, I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 17. I said, me too. She looked at me and laughed. I love every age. We have almost every denominational background that you can imagine here. Aren't you glad about that? Here at Joy, it's not that we're against denominations, but a lot of times denominations serve to divide us instead of unite us. We're for Jesus. We rally around him and his word and making a difference for the Lord. The thing that I love about this church is almost every, we're multicultural, multi-generational, we're multi-denominational, and most importantly, we're multivitamin. <laughs> Come on, be positive. Would you do that? Number four, check it out. You take your difference, I'll take my difference, and together we can actually make a difference for the Lord. You saw that 2016 video? That's because there's a whole bunch of folks with differences coming together, unified, making a difference for the Lord. Amen. Fifth thing that we talked about is a big church can make a big difference. And you need to know that. And so people, I know people are afraid sometimes, oh, the big church, you know, I'll just be a number. Listen, if you do not like places where there are lots of people, you're not going to like heaven. And if you don't like heaven, trust me, the alternative is not good. The water skiing on the lake of fire is poor. So we define difference for you. And then the second thing we talked about last time is now, how do I become different? If I'm different to make a difference, how do I actually become different? Not in a weird way or a rebellious way, but in a biblical way. And we looked at Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Let's look there one more time because I love this verse. One of the most powerful in the word of God. Notice here, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. In other words, in the Greek language, it means they were from Watertown. I had someone came to me last Sunday, and they, and they were walking on. I'm here in the guest reception, greeting people on the way out. And they said, they said, now this is my second time here. And I just, what do you have against Watertown? <laughs> they really asked me, and they said, they said, I'm from Watertown. What do you have against Watertown? And they said, you should come. We have a mile-long garage sale. That's what they said. I said, oh, ma'am, I said, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm just having fun. And those of you from Watertown, and I know there are plenty of you, I'm just having fun. You guys are awesome. Come on. 
And we're glad you're here. As unlearned, as ignorant as you are, we're glad you're here. <laughs> My wife, she just thinks I'm mean. She goes, gee, it's not nice. I'm kidding. Come on, I'm kidding. Notice here, they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. Why? And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Would you listen to me? This is huge. For all of you, including this pastor that is not the brightest crayon in the box, this should give all of us hope. Because the reason, these guys were normal people. They weren't highly educated, Peter and John. But you know what? A whole bunch of folks took notice of them, that they were different. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. That's for everybody in the house. That's a word for everybody in the house. You want to be different? You're going to have to spend time with the difference maker, Jesus Christ. That's what makes us different. There is nobody as contagious as somebody who's drawing close to the Lord. That's what makes us different. So if you're here and you're not a doctor or you're not a lawyer, you're not highly educated or whatever, you're not the brightest crayon in the box, and we love the doctors and the lawyers or someone, I'm just saying that gives all of us average Joe or Jim's hope. Because we can be different by simply spending time with the Lord. Now, how do we do that, all right? I'm going to talk to you about some very basic things. We began to share this with you last time. And I know a lot of people are looking for deep, but I promise you, if you're drowning, deep is only going to kill you all the way. So these are not deep things, but these are things that we know to do, but yet we're not doing. And you remember we talked about last time the two biggest gaps in the world in life the two gaps of, of knowing and doing and wanting and having. You remember that life point that we gave you? And if you close the first, you'll automatically close the second. So I know everyone will say, I want a closer relationship with the Lord. Well, here's something in 2017 that we can do. And we begin to talk to you about some very basic premises to how to get closer to the Lord, how we then can make a difference for him. Number one, we talked to you about winning with the word. You remember that? Pretty simple. 2017, would you please put a refocus on the word of the living God? And I'm not so interested in you, you know, going through the Bible in a year as I am. You simply taking the word of God one chapter at a time, one verse at a time. And if God is talking to you, hang out on that verse and do it. Remember the life point that we shared that's so simple, it's huge. The input of the Word of God will always produce the outcome of a changed life. May I challenge you in 2017, put the Word of God in you when you don't need it so it comes out when you do. Second thing that we begin to talk about, and again, it's not deep, but are we doing this? This is the way that we draw near to God. So many people are looking for the razzmatazz, but there are really basically only five ways that we can get closer to the Lord, biblically. Other than weird stuff, number two is powerful prayer. It's just so simple. Can we rededicate in 2017 our lives to prayer? Now, I'm not asking you to do two hours a day or whatever, but spend some time in the morning when you get up with the Lord so that you are acting on life instead of reacting to life. Remember the two life points that we talked to you about prayer and how powerful it was? Number one, check it out. Prayer is simply talking to God, but we got to make sure that we speak his language. Isn't that true? Second thing that we talked to you about, and this is huge, never tell God about your big problem. Tell your problem about your big God. 
How many know sometimes our prayer life is more life our more like our complain life? Have you ever noticed that? How many complainers are not obtainers? So let me challenge you in 2017, could you please make your prayer life deeper than this? Check it out. Lord, you know my heart. I just, I really need a good man. So here's my prayer. Before I weep, I pray for a man who's not a creep, one who's handsome, smart and strong, one who loves to listen long, one who thinks before he speaks, one who'll call and not wait for weeks. I pray he's rich and self-employed, and when I spend, he won't be annoyed. Pull out my chair and hold my hand, massage my feet and help me stand and oh, send me a king to make me his queen. A man who loves to cook and to clean. I pray this man will love no other and will relish visits with my mother. Dear, awesome, glorious God, Jesus, please, please let my team win the championship and dominate this year. A little bit of a difference. <laughs> so come on, let's deepen our prayer life a little bit more than that. Can I have a good amen? Third thing that we began to talk to you about last weekend, and it's just so simple, but it's just so true, is wonderful worship. Remember, we began to give you three points about worship. You remember those very simple. Number one, praise really does bring perspective. Second thing that we talked to you about, number two, in worship, problem becomes smaller, but your God becomes bigger. Not theologically, but in your life and in your perspective. Third thing that we talked about, the best time to worship is when you don't feel like it. Don't wait for Wednesday or Saturday or Sunday to worship God. I challenge you in 2017, do it on a daily basis right where you are. And then the fourth thing that we begin to talk to you about is fostering fasting. I, I thought about saying fabulous fasting, but I've been lying. <laughs> fasting is not easy. I know that. And it's not something that everybody likes to do, but it is one way to get closer to God. And I think a lot of reasons that people don't fast is because they don't understand what it really is. And we talked to you about three things that fasting really is. Number one, fasting is not working for, earning, or deserving the blessing of God. You already have all those in Christ. Number two, fasting doesn't change God, it changes you. And then number three, it's so important that we get this. Fasting is simply emptying yourself of food so that you can spend time to feast on God. It's not a diet. Now, that catches us up to date. Anybody ready for new territory? Amen. Here we go. Our fifth way of drawing near to the Lord so we can be different to make a difference, number five, is champion church. Can I really implore you in 2017 to recommit, to focus on coming to church? And I don't mean that as a means to draw a bigger crowd, and I don't mean that in a condemning way. I mean that in a life-giving way. And may I challenge you in 2017, would you please give us, Joy Church, one year of your life, 
where you come regularly on the weekend and maybe even sneak in some Wednesdays, if you'll give us one year of your life teaching you the Word of God, because a lot of people just want to come to one service and have all of their problems, ooh, poopy-doo, wiped away. And that's just not going to happen. I know there's a lot of television preachers that teach you that, but we won't here. It's going to come one day at a time, one church service at a time. Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, he, watch us now, went to church as was his custom. Jesus, it was a habit for him to go to church. And I watch people, they just take that so lightly. And again, I don't mean that in a condemning way, but they just take it so lightly and they just take it so loosely. May I challenge you in a life-giving way to recommit yourself to prioritizing church. It's so important that you do. Why, Pastor? Let me give you two channels of church, and this will really make it easy. Check it out. There are certain things that God will give you privately, but there are certain things that God will only give you publicly. I watch a lot of people get in two ditches. They do all their Bible reading when it comes to church. In other words, they let me just teach them the Bible without ever studying it for themselves. Your job is to come to church. I give you the Word of God, and you make sure you study it for yourself. Luke 17 and verse 11, the Bible said that the Berean Christians were more noble because they studied the Word of God for themselves. But I also watch a lot of people that think, well, you know, I don't need church. I've got video casts and I've got podcasts and I've got uh, preachers on television. And, you know, my church is just going to a stream and fishing and talking to Jesus. Poppycock. You need a time where you are with actual people. Because I promise you this, there are certain things that God will only give you privately as, a, as you study the Word of God for yourself. But there are certain things that God will only give to you publicly when you come to a local church and be a part of what God is doing. Can we give him thanks? I don't mean that as a condemnation. That's not a heavy. That's for you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, the closer it gets to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more that we should gather together. Not the less. If I wasn't a pastor, I would come to church every weekend and every Wednesday, and I would do everything that I could to be here because when I come, I grow. And listen, you say, well, yeah, but I know that, and I've heard that. And I, yes, but there are people that need what you have. They need your love. They need your smiles. They need your encouragement. Second church channel, you'll only grow to the size of your fishbowl. And it really is true. You'll never grow simply at home with video casts or Christian television uh, you grow some, but you won't grow to the extent that you, if you'll come and be with people. And, and you remember actual people? Aren't they wonderful? I know we have our problems. I know we have our issues. I, I know we have our differences. But remember, people. Listen, you might as well go ahead and enjoy. There, there's going to come probably a time around 2040 then where we will all be replaced by robots. So you might as well just enjoy one another now. Remember, people, 
You only grow to the size of your fishbowl. Someone said, well, it's just church. Oh, no, no. Where you go to church can be a matter of life and death. Where you go to church will affect your family. It will affect your attitude. It will affect your health. It will affect your demeanor. It will affect your children. It will affect you. It will affect your finances. It will affect your job. It will affect every area of your life. That's why you need to go somewhere like here where you can come and actually have some joy and some perspective and some cool videos. These are five ways that everybody knows that we can get closer to the Lord. But so many of us just simply don't do them. And if we'll draw near to the Lord, then all of a sudden we can become different to make a difference for him. Now, that leads me to the third thing, and this is really powerful, and it's simple. Check it out. You can make a difference. Now, this is huge. As we're drawing near to the Lord, the Lord does not want us to be monks. You, you know what I'm talking about. And I've seen people where, you know, they'll just pray. They, well, God just called me to pray 24-7 for revival. I'm all for you praying for revival, but then get out to Walmart and actually be the revival. At some point in your life, God does not need you to be a monk. That's why if you look at in, G in Jesus beginning in Matthew chapter 6, he talks all about those spiritual disciplines. He talks about giving. He talks about fasting. He talks about praying. And then he says this, and I love this. He says, after you've done these things, he said, God, in Matthew 16, will reward you openly. The reason that he said that is because he says, all right, I'm encouraging you to go up to the spiritual mountain, if you will, to draw closer to the Lord. But do not isolate yourself. Get out here and be with people because that's where your reward will be. He does not need you to be a monk. Check it out. So, if I want to be a monk, I just got to sign this right here. You must take a vow of silence and can say only two words every three years. Yeah, I could do that. Zip it, lock it, put it in my pocket. It's been three years. What are your two words? Food, bad. You've made it another three years. What are your two words? Bed, hard. It's been three more years. What are your two words? I quit. I'm not surprised. You've been complaining ever since you got here. God does not need you to be a complaining monk. So now that we're drawing closer to the Lord, now listen to me closely. Jesus, or people need you to get closer to Jesus. Now Jesus needs you to get closer to people. So here we go. You, number three, can make a difference for the Lord. Would you say that with me? Say, I can make a difference. A lot of people ask me, they say, Pastor, and I hear this quite a bit. I said, no, Pastor, 
Do, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Do you believe he's coming back in the rapture? Do you believe this is the last generation? A lot of people ask me that. And I don't know. You know, I see a lot of signs on the horizon where that could be. I, I notice a lot of the older people believe that that's the case. A lot of the younger people don't believe that that's the case. I don't know. I see a little bit of both. I see a lot of signs biblically. I get this. I don't know whether this is going to be the last generation before Jesus comes back. But I do know this. It is your last generation. That I know for sure. I say that all the time. You got one shot at this thing, this thing called life. It's not a dress rehearsal. We have one shot of it to make a difference for him. But it does seem that there are some biblical signs on the horizon uh, really pointing to the Lord's return. And if you look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37, the Bible talks about as in the days of Noah, in that same signage, those kind of things will begin to occur right before Jesus comes back. And so if you look at Genesis chapter 6, uh, 1 through all, really the whole chapter, you can find exactly what it's going to be like in the days of Noah, what it was in the days of Noah that is occurring now. And I can tell you that there are a lot of similarities the Bible says that violence covered the earth. And, huh, boy, you saw that at the Fort Lauderdale airport just yesterday. Man, you know we live in a very violent society. The Bible talks about in that chapter sexual perversion, and you see sexual perversion everywhere. No question about it. We are living in those kind of times. But right in the middle of a very tumultuous culture and a tumultuous genera generation, God says this in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. Very powerful verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, in everyday language, can I tell you what this means? This means in the middle of a crazy culture, God is looking for you to make a difference. I'm not talking about you going and building an ark. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying in the middle of a crazy culture, the answer to the crazy culture is you. If I could just have five people that would believe that, it's you. And I'm not talking about doing some giant thing, but I am talking about you doing God's thing. In your life, I believe that you can make a difference. So let me talk to you a little bit about that. I'm going to give you four ways that you can understand because a lot of times people think, well, not me, not little old me. I don't think I can make a difference. You're going to be surprised. Let me talk to you about this. Number one, check it out. God is not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. You can make a difference for the Lord. Would you say that with me? Say, I can make a difference for the Lord. That's just huge. God is not looking for your ability, and that's good news. He's simply looking for our availability. Thank God for our ushers on a very, very cold day that they were available to make a difference for the Lord. Come on. Thank God for Corey, who tried to be inconspicuous, and he was able to go way down like this when he was trying to find his seat, thinking nobody will see me, but everybody saw him. Thank God. He made a difference for the Lord because he's very flexible today. 
I'm going to his work on Monday, and I'm going to cause a distraction. <laughs> it's only fair. God is not looking for our, he is not looking for our ability. He's looking for our availability. I made myself laugh on that. I want you to know that. Let me give you a case in point. I just showed you number two. That's pretty sneaky. Uh, I remember we were somewhere, we were, before we moved here to start this church, we were in Knoxville. And my wife, and I think, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday, we had a day off. And so we were at this particular park where they had a jogging track. And I was there exercising and jogging. And, and there was a couple of teenagers. It was a school day. And a couple of teenagers were there. And remember we talked about, you know, me being a little bit different. Huh, you remember that? And, and, and so I, there were a couple of teenagers there. And so I knew they should have been in school. And, and I, I knew that. And so I just I walked right up to them and I just said, hey, I'm a truant officer. Should you guys be in school? And they looked at me, their face, all the blood just left their face. And they looked like, and, and I, just, I just went, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I scared the snot out of those two teenagers, I'm going to tell you. Now, from that point, they were so relieved that I wasn't a truant officer, they were listening to everything that I said. So I started talking to them about the Lord. And i got to be honest with you. I had a meeting I needed to get to, and I'm going to, can I also be really, really honest with you? I had to really go to the bathroom. <laughs> These people are not used to talking to you real hard. I, I mean, I, I listen, but I was available because I knew that the Lord had really put on my heart. See those two teenagers there? I need you to go talk to them. And because I did and I started out with a little bit of fun because I opened that up that way, I was able to lead both those teenagers to Jesus Christ that day. And it's not because of my ability. It's because I was available and because I am a liar. Second thing that you need to know, you saw today, God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for persistence. If you're going to be used by God, listen to me closely. A lot of us think, well, pastor, I like to be used by God, but I did this in the past, or I did this yesterday. Listen to me very closely, please. This is huge. God has yet to call any perfect person to make a difference for him other than the Lord Jesus Christ. When he called me, he knew about all of my shortcomings and all of my past and all of my mess, and yet he called me anyway. Listen, please, it's not about our perfection. Nobody qualifies. It's about our persistence. Third thing that we need to know is we're jumping in 2017 to make a difference. God will add his extra to your ordinary so you can do something extraordinary for him. I'm looking way in the back at Gwen Edlin, our, our resident missionary. She just got back from Haiti. When after the, before that, she just got back from another country. And before that, she just got back from another country. She's a four-year-old woman. She's a nurse. She's not an evangelist. She's a nurse. And yet she goes all over the world making a difference for the Lord. She's just saying, okay, God, I'm available. I'm persistent, and boy, is she ever. And God has added her, his extra to her ordinary, and she's making a difference for the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, I can't go to all these other countries. I gotta, Listen, maybe not, but you can be an usher. You can be a greeter. 
You can work with the children. You can get up on the praise team and make a difference. That is if you can sing. <laughs> is anybody out there? Fourth thing that we need to know if we're going to make a difference is you must have purpose beyond your pain. Now, I've been saying this a lot lately because it's just so important. I watch so many believers that are hurting so badly. And listen to me, I please, I do not want you to hear this like I'm saying this in some trite fashion because I'm not. We are so compassionate towards your pain, and so is God. He loves you. He is. If you heard of that song, if you've got pain, he's a pain taker. He's a good God. But at some point, I've got to discover purpose beyond my pain because pain releases self-consumption. When I'm in pain, all I do is think about myself. You know that. I tell this example all the time. You're at, at some hotel room in the middle of the night. You get up at 3 in the morning to use the restroom. You accidentally whack your big toe on some heavy desk. And when you whack your big toe, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is always, I want to feed poor orphans in Africa. <laughs> right? You just scream it out. Oh, God, let me feed poor orphans. Right? No, you don't, and I don't either. We scream out things we would not hold in our hand. I have a lot of screamers, I can tell. We have work to do, Pastor Dave, work to do. The Lord's work. We don't, no, no, we, what, why? Because at that moment, it's a microcosm. All I care is about my pain, my toe, what I'm going through. And when we're in pain, we're very self-consumed. That's one of the primary reasons God does not want us to be in pain. And at some point, one of the greatest things that will take me beyond that pain that I'm walking through, that emotional pain, that hurt, is purpose. God-given purpose. Listen to me. I, I'm real big on this because this is about your healing. I cannot tell you how many times you know, we have a 24-foot mobile kitchen. You saw that in our, in our, in our video. We have now uh, given away over 24,000 free meals to people. Can you encourage Todd and Amy Davey, the head of that ministry, and give thanks to God? Never charge a dime, never will. I love this church, so proud of you. But listen to me, I cannot tell you how many times I go to all of those unless I'm out of town. I can't tell you how many times I, I go to these and someone will come up to me and they're, just, they're, they're crying and they're having, a, and they're, they're from our team, from our church. And they're going through all kinds of things. And, and listen to me, please, please don't hear this wrong. We are nothing but compassionate for you. But you realize now is not the time, if you're there to serve other people, this is not the time for you to tell me all about what you're going through. We have means and counselors and pastors here on staff that you can call and we'll give you free biblical counseling. We'll help you and love on you. But listen, you're missing the whole point of why you're at the outreach. Not so that you can grab me for some free counseling. Listen to me closely. You're there to serve a purpose. 
And when you're there to realize I've got purpose beyond my pain, you watch if you will touch somebody who is hurting more than you are, I can promise you your pain will begin to lift. It will be one of the most healing things that you've ever done. But you've got to learn how to sow where you want to go. It's a law of the kingdom of God. And please don't hear me wrong. I love you. I'm compassionate for you. But listen, for you at every single one, I'm not talking to you as an individual, but for a person, for every single one of the outreaches, for when I come, for you to just simply grab my time for 30 minutes and tell me about all of your same problems when there are people that are hurting worse than you all around you is not the purpose of God for you. And at some point, you've got to say, I have purpose beyond my pain. That's when your healing begins. And again, we love you so much. And it's my heart and nature as a pastor to help you. But the greatest way I can help you is by telling you you've got purpose beyond your pain. It's huge. Say it with me. Say, I can make a difference. And then lastly, we'll close with this. Fourth thing that you need to know is where can I make a difference? Okay, pastor, I get it. I, I'm drawing closer to the Lord now. I'm becoming different. I realize that God is looking for me in the middle of a crazy culture, just like, just like Noah. He's calling me. I can make a difference. You say, where, where, where can I make a difference? Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, we won't turn there now. I'm going to quote it to you. The Bible says that David, watch this now served his generation by the will of God. Would you say that when we say by the will of God? The greatest way that you can serve your generation is by the will of God. What do you mean, Pastor? Listen to me. Not everybody. God has not called everybody like Gwen Edlin to go all over the place, and God's not called everybody to do what I'm doing. Or No, 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 no. Listen to me. How you can make a difference is by doing it according to the will of God for your life. You don't have to compare it to me or anybody else. See, a lot of times we think, well, I can't really make a difference because I'm not Billy Graham or, or I'm not Joyce Meyer. I'm just a little old me, and, you know, here I am in Watertown, and, and, and what can I do? No, 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 no. You can make a difference by the will of God for your life. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? If you go on in Genesis, you read through Genesis 6 and jump into Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, the Bible says that Noah, watch this now, and his whole household was saved. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, remember when the jailer got saved? You know, they're in the, in the dungeon down in, in Macedonia, and the jailer got saved, and, and Paul said that you, and watch this now, your whole household will be saved. Everybody say household. household. That word household in the Greek language is a Greek word oikos. And watch this now. It means your sphere of influence. All of you have a sphere of influence. I don't know what it is. Some of you have a sphere of influence at a workout place or at a gym or at a school or at your job or whatever you do. You're good at something. You have a sphere of influence where you can make a difference. That, my friends, is the will of God for you. 
There's the place where you're to make a difference. I'm looking at Christina. Christina is a principal. She's got, I don't know, a thousand kids in her charge and hundreds of teachers or something like that. That's a big sphere of influence. She's making a difference at that school for the Lord. You remember, you remember Jesus? Man, you guys are great. Remember Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15? You remember that? Remember that? Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And he said, no man that lights a candle puts it under a bushel. Remember that old song? This little light of mine, I won't let it shine. Remember? Put it under a bushel. No, you know. No, you don't do that, right? Everybody knows that. This little light of shine. Nobody puts it under a bushel, but it puts it on a candlestick, Right? And watch this now. You're the light of the world, a city set on a hill. So see, we get overwhelmed. Oh, gosh, the light of the world. Now I just got a little bick here. Beep. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about the whole world. Beep. Look at this. Beep. <laughs> Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to flick your bick, brother. It's time. <laughs> but notice verse 15. You're the light of the world. And nobody puts this candle under a bushel, but they put it on the candlestick. Watch this now. So that your whole household can see. Same word, oikos. Your sphere of influence. Your light shines brightest according to the will of God in your sphere of influence. You may not be able to shine light to the whole world, but you can shine it on your sphere of influence. You're different to make a difference on your job, where you are, at the gym. There'll be people that I can never touch, but you can because you can make a difference for the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, I, I want to do that out there, but I also want to do it within the kingdom of God in the local church. That's exactly right. You can make a difference here too. I think of our sweet June, June Ashburn. Is June here? At the, she comes on Sunday. Everybody knows June, right? Sweet June, she's, I think, 86 now or something like that. She's wondering, how many have ever gotten a June hug? Man, there's nothing like a June hug in January. That's really the only reason I come to church sometimes is to get a June hug. And I'm the pastor. She's so, so good. You all think it's going to be St. Peter that's going to greet you at the gates of heaven? Oh, no, it's going to be June. And you know what she's going to say. She's going to say, come on in here, honey. That's how she ever hear her talk. She's just got that southern look. And she looks like a little, you know, she has her little white do, you know, like that. And she looks, you know, as a pastor, I, I, I'm supposed to feed sheep. She looks like a little sheep, doesn't she? Got that little sheepish thing on it. Come on. Hey, honey, can I give you a... And she can get away with hugging a perfect stranger. Because no one thinks, well, she's, whoa, this is weird. No, they all like, Okay. Her first time here, it's like, all right, I'll take a hug. I've had people in the visitor reception tell me. i got to tell you, I was a little bit apprehensive coming to church, and the first person that I met was this little old lady that kind of looked like a sheep, and she gave me a big <laughs> hug, and it was the best hug I had in a long time, and it really was a blessing. I'm not kidding. I've heard that over and over and over again. That's her sphere of influence, making a difference. Come on. You've got a gift. You can smile. Man, you can ush. You can greet. You can work with the kids. You can work on our joy. You can go on missions with us. 
If you can sing, get up here and praise the Lord. You got to go through Miss Anna and the whole thing and all that. Because not everybody that thinks you can sing can really sing. How many understand that? Mama told me I could sing. Well, Mama told Pastor Dave he could sing, and she's a liar. Where can I make a difference? Right in your sphere of influence. Look at Jesus' words in Matthew 9 and verse 37. And we'll close with this. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Let me break it down into this life point because this will hit you as we close. The only thing God really needs is more people willing to make a difference for him. That's all he needs. How many know God's doing very well? Financially, he's doing well. How many understand? When, you, when your driveway is transparent gold, you're doing well financially. When your garage door is a giant pearl, you're doing well financially. Can you imagine the oyster that coughed that up? only thing that God really needs, because the harvest is plenteous, are more people willing to make a difference for him. People need you to get closer to Jesus. Jesus needs you to get closer to people.